You know, when you know you're right, letting others be right just doesn't feel right. At some point in our lives, we have met or known a person that needs to be right or thinks they're right all the time. Maybe you're married to one. Maybe you're the one. Uh, please don't elbow the person next to you. If you're joining us online, just keep straight forward. Don't look at them. Don't make eye contact. You know, maybe you know a person that needs to be first, the need to get there first and go first, I think is something that we're all tempted with. I call shotgun is what a person who is putting themselves first often yells. Usually, the interchange happened and there is no regard for anyone else's interest but their own. Shotgun comes with a better seat. It comes with a better view, and it comes with a more comfortable space. However, the greatest power play for a Christ follower is not getting to ride shotgun in the seat of life, but elevating others as Jesus did through humility. In the way that he was born, in the way that he lived, it says that he came to serve and not to be served. In the way that he died a death on a cross, the way of the cross, the humility is not what you or I naturally incline to. It is not a desire that entices us. No one is tempted to be humble. Even if it's humble pie, you are not tempted by it. See, and humility is something that this week I failed miserably at living out. I know that um, for some of us, maybe that's not the case. But see, this week, as part of a 10-month cohort uh, called Leadership Hillsboro with the Washington uh, County Chamber of Commerce, I had the opportunity to go on a helicopter ride over Hillsboro. That's right. I posted it on social media because I wanted to show off. And I have videos to show you. Look. Oh, uh, that's the wrong angle. That, that was definitely not what I was Anyway, okay. Moving on to the next one. But if you like, use your imagination. There you go. Well, you get the point. It was a beautiful ride. But I, get to, I got to ride right next to the pilot. It was the best seat in the house. I'm in, on the helicopter. Um, and see, it was a group of five of us, not including the pilot, and that we got to do this right together. And we um, didn't get to choose our own groups. They were chosen for us because it's very important when you're up in the air, they take weight into consideration. So somebody else secretly asked us for our weight, so I had to confess, and Lord Jesus, have mercy. Anyway, um, <laughs> We did that, and so on our way to walking to the helicopter with the group that was chosen for us, um, somebody says, uh, I want the window seat. And I was like, well, I think we all want the window seat. And then she's like, no, maybe someone doesn't. And I was like, ah, you know, and then somebody's like, you know what? I'll sit in the middle. I've done this before, so I have no problem sitting in the middle. And um, then I was like, well, then I want a window seat too, you know? 
And then we were heading up, and the girl's like, the girl that, that volunteered for the middle seat, she was like, you know, why don't you just call shotgun? That way you get to ride in the front. And I was like, oh, I can do that. Shotgun! Like, you know, like, I was like, I'm going to make sure that I call it because I do want the best seat in the house. So I called shotgun. Now, what motivated this? Well, the all about me part of me. The part of me that is looking out for my own interest, the part of me that values me over others, the part of self-interest, self-centered, prideful me. Hello, my name is Ilsean. And I struggle with pride. <laughs> um, I am one of the pastors at Evergreen that gets to serve this beautiful faith community, but I am being honest when I say that is constantly a struggle for me. C.S. Lewis, an author and theologian, wrote in Mere Christianity, he said, if anyone would like to acquire humility, I can, I think, tell him the first step. The first step is to realize that one is proud. And a bigger step, too, at least, nothing whatever can be done before. If you think you are not conceited, it means you are very conceited indeed. <laughs> there you go. That is the theologian for you. But we start by recognizing, by realizing that we are proud, and that's our starting ground. So let me give you a little bit of the backstory. While the safety video pre-helicopter ride was playing, the one that I should have been paying attention to, the thoughts that were occupying my head were, I want to get a good seat. I mean, the co-pilot seat would be ideal, would be awesome, but I'll settle for a window seat. Oh, man, who's going to be in my group? I hope they don't mind. Like, I really want this, right? That was all that was going on. I didn't recognize it then. It took me uh, later on that night as I was reflecting on my day, and I evaluated and realized that I was letting pride lead that moment in community. And the problem is that pride, a prideful attitude will get in the way of loving God and loving others. And as believers, our mission is to love God and love others. See, humility is the way that we relate to God, and it is the way that we relate to one another. And this is what Paul writes um, in uh, to the church of Philippi in Philippians chapter 2, he tells them, beginning in verse 3, he says, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Sit down. Be humble. No, I'm sorry. That was Kendrick. But what Paul said was, be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take interest in others too. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he fumbled, he humbled, not fumbled, he humbled, been watching football, himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. What this is telling us is that Jesus did not play the God card. He laid down his divine rights. 
Paul is exhorting the church, when he's writing this letter, he's exhorting the church in Philippi to adopt this kind of mindset. The attitude, um, this attitude when it comes to relationships with one another. In other words, he is saying community takes humility. If we're going to live together, if we're going to get along with one another, community takes humility, right? In verse 5, he says, in your relationships with one another, take on this mindset. And then he goes on to explain, think like Jesus thinks. WWJD, it's not just a bracelet, right? It's supposed to be the way that we think. And, and Paul, by writing this letter, wants to give a pattern of thinking and living for the believers in Philippi that is grounded on the way of the cross, the attitude of Jesus. See, humility is the necessary ingredient for unity in community. Have you ever tried eating food? For me, it's beans. Like, beans will ruin it. If beans don't have salt, they just might as well not enjoy them. Like, salt is such a needed ingredient for you to savor, for you to enjoy, for you to be able to. So in the same way, humility is that necessary ingredient for unity in community. And it's important to note that unity is not uniformity. The call that Paul makes to the Philippians was not a call of sameness, but a call to making space for others. It's about being hospitable. When, and that, what that means is you open yourselves up to others. You prioritize the other. You put them first. You know, yesterday we were invited to a four-year-old's birthday party, and she was the cutest thing ever. She, we were there, and we were trying, and she comes in. She's like, oh, you don't have napkins. Let me get you napkins. This is a four-year-old. And she goes and grabs napkins and gives us everybody napkins. Oh, you need cups. Let me get you cups. And she explained where the popcorn and everything was. And I was like, how old are you? And why aren't you out playing with the rest of the kids? Like, this is your party. But she was so hospitable. We were her priority at that moment. And she wanted to make sure that we were taken care of. And so this is what Paul is saying. You prioritize the other. You put them first. And in chapter 4 of Philippians, see, there was a clash going on between two women. They were called Euodia and Sintique. And Paul had heard their personal conflict. He had heard that they weren't getting along. So he urges them to settle their disagreement. And so he is writing this letter to address the issue. So, you know, I, I ask myself this question. What if when conflict showed up, we thought of others and not just ourselves? What if when conflict showed up in your relationships, instead of looking out only for your own interest, you would look out for the interest of the other. I know that this way of thinking does not come naturally to us, especially when there is hurt or there, there is disagreement. It is not a natural way of thinking. And I do want to mention this because there is this extreme that, that some people live in. I'm not talking about this extreme, but I want to say this. If you find yourself in a situation where you are constantly somebody else's punching bag, where you are experiencing 
abused, I want you to know that there is help available, and I'm not telling you to stay there. That is not what I'm saying. See, October is Domestic Violence Awareness Month, and we partnered for 27 years now. We've partnered with ARMS, which is an organization, nonprofit, that helps women who have experienced abuse come to healing and freedom. And again, this month, we're partnering with them, and our goal is to be able to raise $7,000 to be able to help a woman pay for their journey of healing and freedom. And yes, that is my shameless plug, inviting you to give to this cause. So thank you for being generous and doing that. You can go to ec2org.org to do that. Okay, end of plug. But see, when it comes to doing life with God and others, I want you to remember this quote. It says, pride is your greatest enemy and humility is your greatest friend. See, pride at the very core is insecurity. And so it's really good at constructing, at building walls. Think Tower of Babel in Genesis if you've read that story. However, humility, it lays down and it creates bridges. It lays a pathway for people to keep loving. See, humility thinks others Humility enables us to forget ourselves and turn outward in love. And I'm just going to say this. I think moms are great at this. Like they just, they care about the little one. They care about their kids. It's about them. And this is why my hair has not been dyed in the last three months. No, I'm kidding. Just not really good at time management. Um, but moms do that. They, they put their kids first. My mom would do that. She would make sure that we had food, even though it meant she may not have. Because she cared. She put us first. C.S. Lewis captures the essence of humility in his screw tape letters, writing, by this virtue, as by all others, God wants to turn our attention away from self to him and to our neighbors. See, humility is having the right view of ourselves in relation to God and to others. And it's acting like self. See, God is infinite. He is mighty. God is powerful and compassionate. I am not. I am finite. I am small, tiny in comparison to his creation, the oceans, the galaxies, the cosmos. And the thing is that God loved not only me, not only you, but the world entirely. He loved you, my neighbor, and your neighbor. He loved the people across the seas, people on both sides of the current war. He loved them so much that he made a way for relationship, for salvation, by first giving his son, Jesus. It says, while we were still sinners, he gave Jesus. And see, 
I want you to really understand this. So I, I want to share this quote by Rick Warren in his book, The Purpose Driven Life. He says, humility is not thinking less of yourself. It is thinking of yourself less. It doesn't mean you have a low esteem of who you are because God has gifted you and he's given you abilities and talents and opportunities. So you have, if you have that gift to sing, sing. Hiding it doesn't mean you're being humble. It means you're not using what God gave you to give him glory. But using it in right relationship to God, knowing God, you're the one that gave me that. So I'm going to use it for your glory. I'm going to use it so that others are lifted up, right? It is about putting it in perspective of who we are in relationship to God, in relationship to others. It is thinking of ourselves less. So have you ever been in a conversation, and instead of listening to what the other person is saying, you are simply waiting for your turn to jump into that conversation, and you're waiting for them to tell them about your story? and your perspective, and your unsolicited advice, because you think you have the answer for what they're going through, right? Or maybe you're a really good listener, and you never do that. You are a rare kind of person. Um, but me, a lot of the times, even if I'm talking to Carlos, I love him, and I live with him, but sometimes if he's talking to me, I'm like thinking about like, wait, what else I have to do today? Oh, wait, he interrupted. Did you know that he interrupted me? I was in the middle of something. Now I have to listen to him. Wait, what are you saying? And then I, like, miss part of what he says. Or sometimes I'm like, wait, how do I respond? What am I going to say? And I'm concerned about me and how I'm going to, you know, live in this conversation. And sometimes it really just takes a little bit of, like, okay, it's not about you, girl. Listen to the other. Lean in. To think others first, we need to start by leaning in and listening to the other, really listening. So one of the ways that I help myself listen is I ask myself, man, do I value the input of the person speaking? You know, I found myself as part of that cohort, it's eight to five, so it's a long day. And part of it is a lot of business leaders and professionals come and they present their perspective on leadership or they try to give you some kind of lesson or ability. And so I'm there and there was this one guy that was speaking and honestly, I was like, man, what is your point? You know, and, and the thing with me, you got to know is that I tend to be uh, critical just with anything, like whether it's listening to a uh, communicator or whether it's, you know, coming in and realizing, you know, there might be a beautiful bouquet of flowers on my desk, but I will notice that trash can that is full versus the flowers that are on my desk, right? Like, I will notice that one thing that isn't done or the one thing that is wrong, I'm just very critical when it comes to my perspective. I have to work really hard at gratitude. I have to work really hard at changing, shifting what I'm looking at. And so one of the things that I ask myself when I'm there and I'm tempted to go and escape into my own conversation or just think about what I want to say versus really listening to someone else's saying as, man, I, how, how can I be curious about what they're saying? How can I be curious about their life? What can I, how can I stay in this moment, listen for their story? And I have to work hard and say, okay, come back. You know, and as I found myself listening to the communicator and thinking like, man, 
He, his communication style must be storyteller, because I don't know if he's taking us anywhere, but he's sure telling us a lot of stories, you know? And then I caught myself, and I was like, oh, you can still learn something. So what can you learn from this right now? And I was like, man, okay, take out my journal, get out my pen. Lord, what can I learn right now? You know, and it's having that ability to say, I don't know it all. And I need to listen to others. And see, the way of the cross is an other's first way of living in the way that we serve the other. See, on the way to the cross, Jesus was with his disciples. And the story picks up in John 13, and I'm going to paraphrase it. But it says that Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority, had given him power over everything, and that he had come from God and would return to God. So he got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist, and poured water in a basin. And then he began to wash the disciples' feet. He took the posture of humility. Now, you've got to understand this. Maybe when you read this story, it seems just like another Jesus story. But I need you to understand the context of the culture and what is happening. See, in that culture, a teacher, a rabbi would not do such a thing. That was a servant's job. That was a job that was not to be done by a leader, by a teacher, by somebody that was respected. But Jesus says that knowing, right? So this was mind-blowing to the disciples what Jesus is doing because it says that Jesus knowing the power that God had given him. There was this confidence, right? Carlos spoke about confidence last week. There was this confidence in who he was and what Father God had given him. And instead of keeping that power, instead of holding on and clinging to that power, he gave it away by serving others. He said to his disciples, do as I have done, serve others. See, this was not a power play that the disciples anticipated. And this is why Paul says, have this kind of attitude. And he goes on to describe that attitude, and we read it. It's as though he was God, he did not cling to that equality with God, but instead he surrendered. He gave up the divine privilege. He took the posture of humility. He became a servant, and it says that he was obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Now, see, Jesus chose humility. He chose the way of the cross, and in studying the facts of Roman crucifixions, You'll find that crucifixion was about more than just pain and punishment. Their goal was absolute humiliation. It was a public execution where the person found guilty would be completely naked. They would be tortured. It was long. It was drawn out. It was degrading and as humiliating as possible. And that's why they were left there. In public to be mocked. And I don't know about you, but when we look at the way of the cross, it is completely 
counterculture. Kings don't give up their power. Kings try to conquer more and more land. But for the disciples and for the world, this display of power doesn't make sense. But Jesus' humility is what brought you your salvation. Jesus' humility is what brought me my salvation. And see, I've been, I've been thinking and, and, and praying and, and saying, Lord, how do I pray? about a world right now. There is so much going on. You got war in two different parts of the world. Our nation can't figure out how to run our country. Like we, we're in trouble because all we're trying to do is cling on to power. That's what politics is. It's this fight for power. But we see what Jesus does is the way of the cross. And I was thinking as I was praying, I was like, Lord, how do I pray? I just thought of that image. I thought of the cross and what Jesus did on the cross. And he, his, he extends his arms, both right and left. He extends his arms to both sides. It's not one side with Jesus. Because he loved the world entirely. So I pray for justice, and I pray for healing, and I pray that God would intervene and intercede with the people of Israel. But I also pray for those Palestinian civilians who are suffering the consequences of evil, and I pray for them too. And as believers, we can't stand on one side or the other. we got to stand with Jesus. we got to keep Jesus at the center of our hearts and our attention and our life and our allegiance. We stand with Jesus because it was his humility. It was the way of the cross that brought relationship to you and to me. So when conflict comes your way this week, as the worship band comes up, as conflict comes your way this week in your relationship with others, in your relationship with God, will you choose humility? Will you choose the way of the cross? See, and I want you to know the really good news about humility and being a child of God. The Bible says he gives more grace, that God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. So you're needed of God's grace. It starts by saying, Lord, help me be more humble. Help me to live out this attitude of Jesus. See, the giving up of the shotgun seat is not in our own strength but in the strength that he gives us as his children. And Paul reminds the Philippians of this in verse 13. He says, for God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases 
It's not in our own ability. You saying, Lord, change me doesn't happen just because of you, but it happens because of his power working in you. He gives us the desire and he gives us the will. We get to trust him and say, Lord, help me. So I'm going to invite you right there where you are. Would you close your eyes? And when you invite God's Holy Spirit to show you, maybe there is an area, maybe there is a relationship, maybe even amongst the church or maybe in your family that instead of building a bridge, we've built walls because that's what pride does. But maybe what God is calling us to is to build bridges, is to put the other first, is to take their perspective in mind, is to listen to them. Holy Spirit, would you speak to us right now? And as we respond to this word, would you show us where, where we need you and where we need your grace more, God? Lord, help us walk the way of the cross. Lord, help us to prioritize others. Help us to think others first, especially when conflict comes up. Help us to walk in unity by practicing humility, God. And with everybody's eyes closed, I want to ask this question. If you are here in this room or joining us online, and maybe you've been doing life, but you never really opened yourself up to put your faith, you never became a follower, you've not put your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Just like I said, he loved you, that he gave you Jesus so that you would know forgiveness, so that you would know wholeness, so that you would know relationship with him. Jesus died on the cross, but on the third day, he rose again so that you would know eternal life. So I want to invite you, if you are here in this room and you've not put your faith in Jesus, and today you want to decide to follow Christ right there where you are with everybody's eyes closed. Would you look up at me if that is a decision that you are making today? I want to agree with you. Just right there where you are, just look up at me so that I can agree with you. I see you. I agree with you. If there's anybody else, I see you. I agree with you. Just right where you are. I just want to take a time and acknowledge that you are putting your faith in Jesus, that you are choosing to follow Jesus today. Father, we thank you for the work of salvation happening in our hearts right now, whether it's here in the room or for those joining us online, that they would know hope, that they would know, Lord God, that you are good and that you are faithful. And that with your attitude and your example, we can live a life of joy and trusting you. 